He manufactured a false version of that call. He read it to the American people, and he didn't tell them it was a complete fake. Have you ever felt a visceral attraction to a politician? There is not a liberal America and a conservative America. There is the United States of America. I am your voice. Ask yourself if they're really telling the truth. This is a secret innuendo being leaked out there about me. I was honestly concerned that he might lie about the nature of our meeting. This is Subliminally Correct, a podcast where we examine all the ways politicians and newsmakers are using psychological tactics to influence you every single day. And now, join myself, Taylor Sherman, certified hypnosis instructor and executive coach, along with my co-host, Alex Dobranek, political consultant and certified consulting hypnotist, on this episode of Subliminally Correct. And welcome to another episode of Subliminally Correct. Taylor, what do we have up for today? So today the trial has started, and by that we mean the Senate impeachment hearing of Donald John Trump. And we're in for quite a bit of political theater here as the Republicans and Democrats will be vying for attention to see who can shape the most interesting narrative. And in particular, we have some lawyers for the White House who are going to be saying quite a lot, along with Adam Schiff and Chuck Schumer for the Democrats. Now, before we get to this first clip, take a moment now and stop by our Patreon page to support the show. Many hours go into producing each one of these shows to bring you all of this great content on political persuasion. And if you appreciate our efforts, we would appreciate it if you could chip in to keep the show running. Now, that can be for as little as a cup of coffee. And so go to the link. You can find it in the show notes now, or you can also find it on our website. And remember to support the show. Now, in this first clip, we're going to be hearing from Patrick Cipollone for the White House where he's making the case that the rules the Senate has set out are completely okay and appropriate because they're modeled after the Clinton impeachment hearings of another time and place, of course. So let's take a listen to this first clip. Majority Leader McConnell, Democratic Leader Schumer, Senators, my name is Pat Cipollone. I am here as counsel to the President of the United States. Our team is proud to be here representing President Trump. We support this resolution. It is a fair way to proceed with this trial. It is modeled on the Clinton resolution, which had 100 senators supporting it the last time this body considered an impeachment. It requires the House managers to stand up and make their opening statement and make their case. They have delayed bringing this impeachment to this House for 33 days, 33 days to this body. And it's time to start with this trial. It's a fair process. They will have the opportunity to stand up and make their opening statement. They will get 24 hours to do that. Then the President's attorneys will have a chance to respond. After that, all of you will have 16 hours to ask whatever questions you have of either side. Once that's finished and you have all of that information, we will proceed to the question of witnesses and some of the more difficult questions that will come before this 
body. We are in favor of this. We believe that once you hear those initial presentations, the only conclusion will be that the President has done absolutely nothing wrong and that these articles of impeachment do not begin to approach the standard required by the Constitution. And in fact, they themselves will establish nothing beyond those articles. You look at those articles alone and you will determine that there is absolutely no case. So we respectfully ask you to adopt this resolution so that we can begin with this process. It is long past time to start this proceeding, and we are here today to do it. And we hope that the House managers will agree with us and begin this proceeding today. We reserve the remainder of our time for rebuttal. So there's a couple of things that stand out here in what Pat Cipollone is saying. And the real thing that stood out to me here is when he talks about you know, hearing these initial presentations and how listening to these initial presentations are so, so important. So the important thing to know about this is that the Republicans know that the American people have a very short attention span. We're only going to be listening to the very beginnings of this trial that's going to stretch on for days. And he really wants to make the point here that the most important thing about this entire trial is the initial presentation that the side each side is going to give and that the only conclusion that you can draw from those initial presentations will be that the president has done absolutely nothing wrong and so what he's doing here is using words like only and articles alone along with nothing and absolutely what he's doing here is he's limiting the scope to what you're able to see He's taking this larger, broader proceeding, this thing with multiple moving parts and has stretched for months and months and months, and he's narrowing it down to just the articles as they're written on the paper and just these initial presentations. And, you know, it's almost like a magic trick. You know, look here, see only this thing, but don't see all the context all around this. And so that's sort of a tactic that they're going to be using a lot here in these initial presentations that we're talking about right now. Yeah, it's interesting how he he does that. He changes and limits the scope of what is applicable here. He only wants you to see one thing. And you're going to hear Pat Cipollone and some of the other Republicans, they keep talking about the Clinton impeachment, the Clintons, the Clintons, the Clintons. And it makes it seem legitimate because, oh, well, that was the last impeachment. We've only had two impeachments. We had Johnson, and now we've got Clinton. And so when we talk about Clinton, we're just talking about the last impeachment. But of course, the Clinton thing, you know, who are they really attacking? Are they attacking Bill Clinton? No, they're pretty much going after Hillary, and they're going after all of the Democrats, you know, as an extension. So they're going to keep reminding the Democrats the last person impeached was, in fact, a Democrat. And Then he sets out this idea of, hey, here are the rules. It's going to be fair. Okay, you have you're going to have all of this time to make your your point. Okay, you're going to get this fair process. They're going to get 
24 hours to do that. And then the attorneys will be able to respond. And then you're going to get 16 hours to ask questions. And only after you get all of that evidence that's laid out in front of you, only then will we proceed to the question of witnesses. As if we don't already know how this whole thing is going to turn out. Right, So Cipollone here is really playing with this idea of, well, after you get all of these facts, these facts, these facts, then we're going to talk about whether you can start to call other witnesses. But of course, we already know that Mitch McConnell has said he's not going to allow these you know, White House witnesses um, like Bolton to be called into uh, this hearing. And of course, the Democrats have made a lot of uh, noise about who they would like to be called and who specifically would be called if they were allowed to call them. And we're not really going to be reviewing that here during the podcast, but if you'd like to, you can go and listen to all of that. And another thing that I notice here that Cipollone is doing is he's using something known as embedded commands. Now, embedded commands are a device that comes straight out of Ericksonian hypnosis. That is, the hypnosis techniques that are predicated upon the work of Milton Erickson. And uh, Milton Erickson was a psychiatrist of the 20th century. He used hypnosis to great effect, and a lot of his techniques are modeled by persuaders to know, okay, how can we use these techniques and methods you know, the best way that we can? Well, one thing that Erickson used to do is what is known as an embedded command, which is in the middle of a sentence saying something, usually a short phrase, that is intended to go right directly to a person's subconscious mind, for them to ignore everything else in the sentence and only to pay attention to that little phrase there that they hear of Erickson or, you know, whatever the persuader was talking about that one thing that you want them to pay attention to. And Cipollone here starts to do this. So he says, we encourage you to, and then he pauses and he says, adopt this resolution. And as he does that, he pauses with his cadence, which is slow and measured. And he also kind of nods and dips his head at every point that he wants to emphasize. He says, it's long time, it's long past time to start this process. And we are here today to do it. We hope that the house managers will agree with us and begin this proceeding today. So notice the phrases that he wants for you to remember. Adopt this resolution. Start this process. Agree and begin. And as he says these things in that hypnotic way, he's intending for everyone listening to take everything he's saying a little bit deeper, to actually take it into their subconscious minds. And this is a tactic that he is definitely using. And I'm telling you this because this is the structure that is taught to hypnotists of how do you effectively utilize this technique. And Cipollone is a lawyer. He no doubt has studied this and knows this technique. It's definitely what he's doing here. Now, in this next clip, we're going to be listening to a response. We're going to be listening to the response from Adam Schiff. And Adam Schiff is going to be going back against what Cipollone has said, but he's going to start off his own introduction and really framing what he believes is the truth about the whole um, trial of impeachment that we're going to be hearing. So let's take a listen to this clip. Astonishingly, the president's trial brief filed yesterday contends that even if this conduct is proved, that there is nothing that the House or this Senate may do about it. 
It is the president's apparent belief that under Article 2, he can do anything he wants, no matter how corrupt, outfitted in gaudy legal clothing. And yet, when the founders wrote the impeachment clause, they had precisely this type of misconduct in mind. Conduct that abuses the power of his office for personal benefit, that undermines our national security, that invites foreign interference in our democratic process of an election. It is the trifecta of constitutional misconduct justifying impeachment. In Article 2, the President is charged with other misconduct that would likewise have alarmed the founders. The full, complete, and absolute obstruction of a co-equal branch of government, the Congress, during the course of its impeachment investigation into the President's own misconduct. This is every bit as destructive of our constitutional order as the misconduct charged in the first article. If a president can obstruct his own investigation, if he can effectively nullify a power the Constitution gives solely to Congress, indeed the ultimate power, the ultimate power the Constitution gives to prevent presidential misconduct, then the president places himself beyond accountability, above the law, cannot be indicted, cannot be impeached. It makes him a monarch, the very evil against which our Constitution and the balance of powers it carefully laid out was designed to guard against. Shortly, the trial on these charges will begin, and when it has concluded, you'll be asked to make several determinations. Did the House prove that the President abused his power by seeking to coerce a foreign nation to help him cheat in the next election? And did he obstruct the Congress in its investigation into his own misconduct by ordering his agencies and officers to cooperate, refuse to cooperate in any way, to refuse to testify, to refuse to answer subpoenas for documents and through every other means? And if the House has proved its case, and we believe the evidence will not be seriously contested, you will have to answer at least one other critical question. Does the commission of these high crimes and misdemeanors require the conviction and removal of the president? We believe that it does, and that the Constitution requires that it be so, or the power of impeachment must be deemed a relic or a casualty to partisan times, and the American people left unprotected against a president who would abuse his power for the very purpose of corrupting the only other method of accountability, our elections themselves. And so you will vote to find the president guilty or not guilty, to find his conduct impeachable or not impeachable. But I would submit to you, these are not the most important decisions you will make. How can that be? How can any decision you will make be more important than guilt or innocence than removing the president or not removing the president? I believe the most important decision in this case is the one you will make today. The most important question is the question you must answer today. Will the President and the American people get a fair trial? Will there be a fair trial? All right, so here we hear Schiff beginning to frame this whole idea of what does it mean to be going through this and what happens if you don't take action? So he's starting to amplify that pain of inaction that we know can come from not acting or not allowing a process to go through. 
So he talks about this trifecta of the perfect ideas of Trump that are not being enacted. And so what we don't want is to make him a monarch. And we're going back to this idea that we've talked about and well, that we heard the law professors talk about of the president can name his son baron, but he can't make him a baron. This repeated theme of if we don't allow him to be impeached, he's basically going to be a monarch. He's basically going to be a king. And think about the visceral reaction that that has. You know, it's telling Trump, okay, you're a really special person, but do you all really want a king? And I think that for certain people, that's actually a really effective tactic. I think there's a certain percentage of the country who really, if you were to ask them, do you want to make Donald Trump king? They probably would say yes. Like, we're just going to go ahead and do that. Um, So Schiff starts off here and he says, you know, soon this trial will begin. And when it happens, you will be asked to make several recommendations. So he's pacing our current experience. Soon this will begin. When it happens, this is what is going to go on. He's telling the story step by step, and he's framing for you how he wants for you to think about it. And also notice that when he uses the word you, who is he talking about specifically? Is he talking about you, a senator? Or is he talking about you, the American public? Well, he kind of leaves it up in the air. He leaves it ambiguous. And I think on purpose. So then he goes into a bunch of facts. You know, did he do this? Did he do that? Did he do this other thing? If the House has proved his case and we believe the evidence will not be, quote, seriously, end quote, contested, you will have to answer at least one other question. And then he pauses. What's the other question? What else do we have to answer? Does the commission of these high crimes and misdemeanors require the conviction and removal of the president? We believe that it does. So he has this assumptive language here, these high crimes and misdemeanors, and then he also uses the word require. So what does it mean for something to be required? Well, there's no choice. This is what you have to do if you are to believe in the Constitution. And then we also hear him going here into some colloquial language of the Constitution requires that it be so. So by using phrases like the Constitution requires that it be so, he's changing up the order of the sentence structure. So English is what they call a subject-verb-object language. And what that means is that the order of certain parts of speech, uh, the subject of something, the verb, the action that's being taken, and the object of the action, okay, the doer and then what it is acted upon, follows a certain structure, follows a certain order. And without getting too deep into the whole linguistics of it, there's a way in which you can change this up to make it sound more along the lines of other languages, or actually just to bring us back to other styles of speaking. So the way that Schiff says this here has this old English kind of structure. The Constitution requires that it be so. And just if you just kind of intuitively get into that, is this the way that most normal people would speak? Probably not. And But by saying it this way, he invokes this kind of um, in, antique idea, this idea of Here's something really sacred that you need to respect, and it's old, 
Therefore, he, he, he calls upon all of those associations to have you step into that. And so now he really gets into this language here of guilty or not guilty. What he says here is, and you will vote to find the president guilty or not guilty, impeachable or not impeachable. He's setting up this dichotomy here where, you know, there's really only two choices. It's black or white. And then who is the you in this? Is it the senators or is it you, the American people, making up your minds at home in an election year? And then he says, but I would submit to you, these are not the most important decisions you will make. Now, you just told us all about the importance of those decisions, but now he's going to go for the big one and that, you know, all of those other things were small in comparison. So how can that be? How can any decision that you make be more important, he says. And so he's answering the question that people are having in their heads, getting into their internal conversations here. And then there's the question, will the president and the American people get a fair trial? And what he's doing here is that he's taking that giant, broad idea, that that concept there, he's, he's blowing it up, and then he's bringing it very local down to you. Will you get a fair trial? Because you're part of the American people. So trying the president here is the same as giving the American people a chance, their day in court to bring their grievance. And so this is your moment to bring your grievance and get your issue heard. And are these senators in this room going to give you that fair trial, that day in court? And so it's really clever what he does here. Now, we're going to start listening to uh, Pat Cipollone again here, where he's going to sort of rebut what Mr. Schiff said And he's going to put his own spin on these events. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice. I just want to make a couple of additional points. It's very difficult to sit there and listen to Mr. Schiff tell the tale that he just told. Let's remember how we all got here. They made false allegations about a telephone call. The president of the United States declassified that telephone call and released it to the public. How's that for transparency? When Mr. Schiff found out that there there was nothing to his allegations, he focused on the second telephone call. He made false, and his colleagues made false allegations about that second telephone call that occurred before the one he had demanded. So the President of the United States declassified and released that telephone call. Still nothing. Again, complete transparency in a way that, frankly, I'm unfamiliar with any precedent of any President of the United States releasing a classified telephone call with a foreign leader. When Mr. Schiff saw that his allegations were false, and he knew it anyway, what did he do? He went to the House, and he manufactured a fraudulent version of that call. He manufactured a false version of that call. He read it to the American people, and he didn't tell them it was a complete fake. 
And so here Cipollone is going back, going back to talking about how everything Schiff just said, well, that was really difficult. And specifically what he says here is he says this, it's very difficult to sit there and listen to Mr. Schiff tell the tale that he just told. Now, hopefully, after listening to this podcast for a while, you have become a little bit sharper in terms of your language hearing skills, that you've been able to hear things a little bit more clearly than a normal person might. And so some of you might immediately recognize that there's something here about Cipollone's structure that is a little bit off. So when he says it's very difficult to sit there and listen to Mr. Chef, who is he referring to? This is what's called a lost performative. So the performer of this value judgment has been deleted. It's very difficult for whom to sit there and listen to Mr. Schiff. Well, because some people might be listening to Adam Schiff and be going, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing speaker. I'm so glad that he's here. But clearly, for Cipollone, he does not enjoy listening to Mr. Schiff. And so he's projecting that onto the audience. And of course, then he makes some presumptive language there about a tale to tell the tale that he just told. He's suggesting here, of course, that it's false. And then he's really going into some of these ideas of the facts about how the telephone call, you know, was a false accusation and the president was totally transparent and, you know, that's how it happened. And so here we hear Cipollone really going back and trying to cover all of his bases while framing Adam Schiff in pretty much the worst possible light. Yeah, it's not that, you know, uh, Cipollone here is trying to argue the merits of the case. And you'll see that a lot with what he and the other lawyers say is that it's just like it's not about the actual things that happened. It's about the motivations and the integrity of the people involved. So you hear at the beginning, he's just talking about how Trump declassified the telephone call. How about that for transparency? Isn't Trump a great guy? Uh, that doesn't really speak to the contents of the call or what actually happened that, you know, is impeachable or not. It just speaks to how great of a guy Trump is. How can he be guilty if he declassifies stuff? Um, Also, like Taylor said, ignoring the whole history of events here. And then we have him, you know, really attacking Mr. Schiff, who's there on the floor of the Senate making the argument he's basically attacking the other quote-unquote lawyer in this trial here and saying that you can't believe anything that he's saying because he's a he's spinning a fraudulent version of the facts while offering no actual counterfacts or reasons why this might be false he's able to you know really play to the court of public opinion here he's really able to impugn the character of Schiff And then make Trump look like this wonderful guy that how could he possibly be guilty? And that's sort of what he's distracting you um, into thinking about and listening to in these statements here. All right. Well, I think that's all the time that we have for today. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you really like the show, please go to iTunes and rate and review us on there. Five stars. Tell us how much you like the show and also send us your feedback. You can send us a message through our website. It's www.subliminallycorrect.com. 
You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook. It's at SubliminalPod. And remember, if you like the show, please consider supporting the show. As little as a cup of coffee, a lot of work goes into every episode. And so we're really looking forward to your support. Your support matters. And we'll see you again in one week.